Chapter seventy seven of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lafano. Chapter seventy seven in which irish melody prevails now father roach's domicile was the first house in the chapel lane which consisted altogether of two not being very long he showed a hall door painted green the national colour which enclosed i am happy to say not a few of the national virtues chief among which reigned hospitality as moggy turned the corner and got out of the cold wind under its friendly shelter she heard a stentorian voice accompanied by the mellifluous drone of a bagpipe concluding in a highly decorative style the last verse of the colleen rue respect for this celestial melody and a desire to hear a little more of what might follow held moggy on the steps with a knocker between her finger and thumb unwilling to disturb by an unseasonable summons the harmonies from which she was in fact separated only by the thickness of the window and its shutter and when the vocal and instrumental music came to an end together with a prolonged and indescribable groan and grunt from the songster and the instrument there broke forth a shrilly chorus of female cackle some in admiration and some in laughter and the voice of father roach was heard lustily and melodiously ejaculating more power to you pat mahoney as this pleasant party all talked together and moggy could not clearly unravel a single sentence she made up her mind to wait no longer and knocked with good emphasis under cover of the uproar the maid who had evidently been in the hall almost instantaneously opened the door and with a hasty welcome full of giggle and excitement pulled in moggy by the arm shutting the door after her and each damsel asked the other and how are you and are you elegant and shaking her neighbour by both hands the clerical handmaid in a galloping whisper in moggy's ear told her twas a wedding party and such terrin fun she never see sich dancin and singin and laughin and funnin and she must wait a bit and see the quality a portion of whom indeed were visible as well as overpoweringly audible through the half-open door of the front parlour and there was to be a thunder and fine supper a round of beef and two geese and a tub full of oysters etc etc now i must mention that this feast was in fact in its own way more romantically wonderful than that of the celebrated wedding of camacho the rich and one of the many hundred proofs i have met with in the course of my long pilgrimage that the honest prose of everyday life is often ten times more surprising than the unsubstantial fictions of even the best epic poets the valiant sir joffrey it is true was ordered to a dungeon by the fair brunacende who so soon as she beheld him nevertheless became enamoured of the knight and gave him finally her hand in wedlock but if the fair brunacende had been five-and-forty or by her lady fifty the widow of a tailor herself wondrous keen after money and stung very nigh to madness by the preposterous balance due as per ledger 
and the inexhaustible and ingenious dodges executed by the insolvent sir joffrey the composer of that chivalric romance might have shrunk from the happy winding up as bordering too nearly upon the incredible yet good father roach understood human nature better men and women have a tendency to fuse and given a good-looking fellow and a woman the matter of what age who but deserves the name and bring them together and let the hero but have proper opportunities and deuce his in it if nothing comes of the matter animosity is no impediment on the contrary tis a more advantageous opening than indifference the cid began his courtship by shooting his lady-love's pigeons and putting her into a pet and a frenzy the cid knew what he was about stir no matter what passions provided they be passions and get your image well into your lady's head and you may repeat with like success the wooing which superficial people pronounce so unnatural of crooked-backed richard and the lady anne of course there are limits i would not advise for instance a fat elderly gentleman bald carbuncled dull of wit and slow of speech to hazard that particular method lest he should find himself the worse of his experiment my counsel is for the young the tolerably good-looking or murmuring orators of the silver-tongued family and romantic athletes with coaxing ways worthy father roach constituted himself internuncio between mahony whom we remember first in his pride of place doing the honours of that feast of mars in which his friend nutter was to have carved up the great old flaherty on the fifteen acres and next quantum mutatus ab illo a helpless but manly captive in the hands of the dublin bailiffs and that very mrs elizabeth woolley relic and sole executrix of the late timotheus woolley of high street taylor etc etc who was the cruel cause of his incarceration good father roach though a paragon of celibacy was of a gallant temperament and a wheedling tongue and unfolded before the offended eye of the insulted and vindictive executrix so interesting a picture of his noble young friend the victim of circumstance breaking his manly heart over his follies and misfortunes and looking upon her mrs woolley afar off with an eye full of melancholy and awe tempered with mayhap somewhat of romantic gallantry like sir walter raleigh from the tower window on queen elizabeth that he at length persuaded the tremendous relict to visit her captive in his dungeon this she did in a severe mood with her attorney and good father roach and though mahony's statement was declamatory rather than precise and dealt more with his feelings than his resources and was carried on more in the way of an appeal to the leady than as an exposition to the man of law leaving matters at the end in certainly no clearer state than before he began yet the executrix consented to see the imprisoned youth once more this time dispensing with her attorney's attendance and content with the protection of the priest and even upon that on some subsequent visits she did not insist 
and so the matter like one of those medleys of our irish melodies arranged by poor m julian starting with a martial air breathing turf and thunder fire and sword went off imperceptibly into a pathetic and amorous strain father roach still officiating as internuncio found the dowager less and less impracticable and at length a treaty was happily concluded the captive came forth to wear thenceforward those lighter chains only which are forged by hymen and wreathed with roses and the lady applied to his old promissory notes the torch of love which in a moment reduced them to ashes and here at the hermitage of our jolly chapel is it priest for bride and bridegroom were alike of the ancient faith the treaty was ratified and the bagpipe and the bridegroom in tremendous unison splitting the rafters with hymen hymen o hymen a in the midst of this festive celebration his reverence was summoned to the hall already perfumed with the incense of the geese the onions the bacon browned at the kitchen fire and various other delicacies toned and enriched by the vapours that exhaled from the little bottle of punch which in consideration of his fatigues stood by the elbow of the piper when the holy man had heard moggy's tale he scratched his tonsure and looked i must say confoundedly bored now moggy my child don't you see akushla tisn't to me you should have come i'm here my dear engaged and he dried his moist and rubicund countenance in one of the sacred offices if the church the sacrament my dear if here mahony and the piper struck up again in so loud a key in the parlour that as moggy afterwards observed they could not hear their own ears and the conclusion of the sentence was overwhelmed in many's the bottle i cracked in my time so his reverence impatiently beckoned to the hall door which he opened and on the steps where he was able to make himself audible he explained the nature of his present engagement and referred her to dr toole assured however that he was in dublin he scratched his tonsure once more the devil burned the lot of em my dear and purty evenin they chose for their vagaries and law papers too you say and an attorney into the bargain there's no influence you can bring to bear on them fellows if twas another man and a couple o more at his back myself and pat morn would wallop them out of the house and into the river by gannies as aisy as sayin an ave the illustration it occurred to him might possibly strike moggy as irreverent and the worthy father paused and with upturned eyes murmured a latin ejaculation crossing himself and having thus reasserted his clerical character he proceeded to demonstrate the uselessness of his going but father roach though sometimes a little bit testy and on the whole not without faults was as good-natured an anchorite as ever said mass or brewed a contemplative bowl of punch if he refused to go down to the mills he would not have been comfortable again that night nor indeed for a week to come so with a sigh he made up his mind got quietly into his surtout and mufflers which hung on the peg behind the hall door clapped on his hat grasped his stout oak stick and telling his housekeeper 
to let them know in case his guests should miss him that he was obliged to go out for ten minutes or so on parish business forth sallied the stout priest with no great appetite for knight errantry but still anxious to rescue if so it might be the distressed princess begirt with giants and enchanters at the mills at the salmon house he enlisted the stalworth patty morn with the information conveyed to that surprised reveller that he was to sleep at mrs nutter's house that night and so at a brisk pace the clerical knight his squire and demoiselle errant proceeded to the mills End of chapter seventy seven recording by john brandon